the hell is the name of this thing? The Ballsy Podcast. Hosted by the award-winning Evan Grant. This has been the most tense podcast I have ever done. Kevin Sherrington. Do we want to compare bylines? How many? Harry Horn. We're supposed to keep this thing moving, be fresh. Get ready for the most listened to sports podcast in Dallas-Fort Worth. I'm Evan Grant, and this is Ballsy. I'm Kevin Sherrington, and in this episode, we'll be talking about Mavericks. And I'm Barry Horn. To hear our other exciting additions, simply subscribe to the Ballsy Podcast on iTunes. You know we're on Facebook and Twitter, too. Just search Ballsy Podcast. That's Ballsy with a Z. So sit back, relax, that's relax with an X, and enjoy another edition of the Ballsy with a Z Podcast. Well, it's Yogi Mania time, guys. We have Yogi Mania here in the studio. There's Yogi jerseys. Do we have a Yogi jersey yet? No, I don't think so. Either. No, we don't. Just say that. Though. We don't even have soundproofing on the Ross. But what we do have is Rick Bozich of WDRB in Louisville, Kentucky. Uh, also a longtime columnist at the Louisville uh, Gurney Journal. The Gurney Journal. And uh, an expert on all things in the Louisville, Kentucky, Indiana uh, area. College basketball, especially. That's kind of college basketball hot there, Barry. Yeah. Okay. Uh, Rick, are you there? Yes, I am. I'm just drinking it all the way. And well deserved. All right, so let's let's get into this right now. What do we need to know about Yogi Ferrell that we don't already know, that he's the savior to the Mavericks and the future? Wow, I mean, And letting him go up into the D-League. But everybody in the NBA passed on him, and he wanted to go pro after his junior year. And he 
followed that up in early December with a 20-point loss to Duke uh, in the ACC Big Ten Challenge. At that point, it was sort of like a season of the break thing. And Yogi really turned it around for that team. He turned it around as a leader. He turned it around as a guy who, like, made big plays in the last four minutes of the game. He turned it around by being a guy who got more guys involved. And he mainly turned it around by getting more guys to play defense. And what he did last year, I thought he was tremendously underrated on the national team. That Tyler Eulis at Kentucky was first-team All-American. But when they played head-to-head in the NCAA tournament, and they did in the second round in Iowa, uh, Farrell outplayed him, and I thought Farrell was, was overlooked uh, strictly as a college player last year. So are, are you surprised we're even having this conversation right now about his – so you're not, right, about his impact that, he, that he's had? I'm surprised. I mean, I'm surprised that anybody can come to the league and play the way he played five games. I mean, I watched that team Friday night when he made nine threes. I mean, he never made nine threes in Indiana in game, I can remember. So, I mean, that's not, that's not going to continue. It's not going to continue for anybody. But I'm not surprised that – made his way into the league. Uh, and I think he's a win. He's, he won in high school. He won at IU. He is sort of a throwback type guy where he is actually a guy who does enjoy being a point guard. A lot of guys now want the ball, but you know they want they want to get their own shots or you know they they, they, they want to score and, and he's he's got the I, some of the stuff I read from down there is they've been it's so impressed by how he picked up things. I think he came down there on a Friday night and they talked to him on Saturday and he already knew all the plays. And that's the same thing in Indiana. And uh, if you did talk to Tom Green, which I'm glad you called me instead, the one thing he sort of became known for at IU the last year was they have a, like most teams, they have a private practice facility, and they have those swipe cards where they can go in there and practice whenever they want to. And he sort of wore his swipe card out. He's going in there so much to work. So this is a kid who his whole life has been told what he can't do. Even though he's really good, I mean, he was ranked the number one history in the country, but because of his size, we're always going to doubt him, so he had a work ethic. So, what went wrong in Brooklyn then? Kevin, that's a question that requires a lot of conversation. That sounds like a movie title. What went wrong in Brooklyn now? Well, you know, the, the thing is, they've got the guy who was sort of, in some ways, Yogi before Yogi, Jeremy Lin, the guy who came in and made the big splash out of the Detroit Pistons. And they've got him in
John Calipari is obviously <sighs> the NBA wanted done. Uh, with Todd Green, it's sort of become player development. And Wayne Wade was an un, uh, you know, under-ranked high school player who he put in the NBA. Victor Oladipo is another one. And it's sort of a, it's a, it's a work culture of guys uh, putting extra work in, getting extra shots up, uh, being real driven on fundamentals, having guys uh, come in in the summertime, former guys to come back in as mentor guys, and, and that's what it's been. He, he hung his hat on, on strength and conditioning and player development, and, and every time one of these guys succeeds, it, it reinforces that point for him. Is, it, is he do? Because these guys are, 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 as you point out, you, know, you can see those things in their physical game. In, in their mental game, is he he's the kind of guy that is, uh, is he recruiting these kind of guys? Or is he building these kind of guys? You know, I think he's doing a little bit of both. I think with Jokey, he definitely recruited that kind of guy because he um, he locked in on the fact that he went to a, a program that really was not a traditional power in Indiana high school basketball or in the, in the city of Indianapolis and won state championships there. And he gave Yogi a lot of credit for that. And then he locked in on the fact that uh, he was sort of a, a, a sponge for the game. And I also think, you know, he knew from his family ties of his mother being a doctor that, you know, there was some, there was some brain power there and that Yogi was willing to embrace that and take the game seriously as sort of a student instead of a guy. Uh, a lot of, there's a lot of talk about college basketball about the AU mentality of guys who want to go out and play and get touches. And, and if you lose a game, it's no big deal. You got another one. Yogi was never, he's not cut that way. Uh, I just want to... Jump back a second. Where, where does the nickname come from, and what, do you think that adds add, adds to his persona? Uh, certainly did in Indiana. Um, yeah, it comes from when he was a kid. Something about eating. I don't even really remember it all. Something about eating stuff. It was the Yogi Bear cartoon. Right. Uh, the mom, get, mom gave it to him. Yeah. Yeah. Doc Lindy gave it to him. And if, by the way, if you're listening to our Twitter followers, you need to follow Doc Lindy on Twitter because she tweets about her son very enthusiastically. And, uh, you know, his family's been very supportive. I mean, you, you, they were always, they had a tradition last year of wearing these different yogi t-shirts of like, uh, you, you might think he's a star, but he's my little brother who has a dirty room or something on the back of his thing. And they would show up and his dad, as I mentioned earlier, was known for wearing the candy stripe uh, sport coat. So he's got a great support system. And when he, went through all this stuff this year where uh, he didn't get drafted and then he played in the D-League and ended up at Brooklyn and got cut. I think his family was the one that kept pushing him. And as I said, I think his dad was, went on the road to Portland and to Denver, and I imagine he'll be at Reunion Arena. I, I don't play at Reunion Arena anymore. Sure no. Yeah, there you go. Center. That's all right. Yeah. Well, it's like the ballpark in Arlington, or yeah, whatever they call it. Yeah. What we got there, Rick, is we got a situation where Mark Cuban has been in a little bit of a war with uh, his former partner, Ross Perot, and they built a bunch of uh, uh, It took away his parking lot. Right? Yeah, it took away his parking lot. So, they built parking lot. Yeah, right. And, uh, and so now Mark is just trying to, to show Ross Perot he can't get away with that, so build another arena. So, let me, I know you're an Indiana alumnus, right? Yes, sir. Okay. Was Yogi... Uh, pursued by any major colleges, uh, oh, any big time programs. Uh, who, who else was it? Was it? Was it? Any powers? 
tough questions at press conferences than Charlie Strong. I mean, he just he, he did it really well. The, the, the biggest issue for me was the coaching staff he had coming in clearly was not the coaching staff he wanted. And, and these guys went out on the field just completely unprepared most of the time. You watch them play on defense, you think, my gosh, they don't know. They don't have any idea what they're doing out there. And, that, and, and we, we didn't expect the offense to be great, but to watch that defense, it was just a shock. I mean, it, it just it, they looked clueless a lot of times, and I, I was I was really surprised by that. Yeah, I was too because I, I know that you know Stetford Ben Stetford was charged the defense former Texas guy, and defenses were good at Louisville, and even if he's having problems, you figure Charlie could step in and fix it because yeah, that's how he made his name. I mean, John Rockman was the guy who I think originally went down there, right? He yes, offensive coordinator. The first game of the second year. Yeah, uh, and I probably just got the offensive coordinator job at Pittsburgh. Yes. Um, he was a bit of a controversial hire even with here because he sort of flamed out in Nebraska. He had Teddy Bridgewater, which made things better for him. And, and they, they had their quarterback issues from the get-go in Texas. But yeah, I think Charlie's where he should be now in South Florida. And I think he'll have success there because, first of all, Willie Taggart probably left him a really good team, including a quarterback. And that's, that's his area, Florida. He, he's recruited that area for years for the Gators and for other programs. And, some semi-breaking news. Breaking news? Semi-breaking news. Uh, I think this was all expected uh, and pretty much reported, but the Mavs have formally announced a two-year contract. Two-year contract for Yogi Ferrell. Two-year contract. How about that? Um, That's amazing. He's got a two-year deal. And uh, I I have a question I wanted to run by you, Rick, before we let you go, as long as we switched off of of basketball. Uh, Bobby Petrino. The, Evan loves him some Bobby Petrino. The most evil man in college football or second most evil man in college football? Who was ahead of him? Uh, I might put Art Bryles ahead of him at this point. Yeah, yeah, yeah Art Bryles definitely would be. You know, I think he's changed a little bit since he's come here. Um, from what he was, the, the previous time. I've gotten along with him fine. Uh, but I understand in Arkansas that they told, and we were all hoping it was actually true, was they did, did not actually wreck the motorcycle, was that the boyfriend of his little mistress there tracked him down, pulled him over, and beat the crap out of him. That, that was the story that was going around here. We were all hoping it was actually true, but I, I guess it's not. But it's, it's, it's fun to think about. I've heard that because nobody ever saw any pictures of the, of the girl uh, with injury. Right. That's the reason they're behind it. Yeah, why, why was she just perfectly fine and he looked like he'd been through a windmill? Yeah, that was... Yeah, that was uh, people I talked to said they actually did wreck the motorcycle, but um, he's got the opportunity of a lifetime and hopefully he'll realize that well it it's definitely been a successful podcast because we talked yogi Ferrell, but more importantly i got a shot in with bobby Patricia. <laughs> oh, there you go um 
it, it, we, we really appreciated having you, Rick. Uh, and um, you are welcome here anytime to talk college basketball. And I, I don't know if you're aware college of this. College football, too. Yeah, but, absolutely. Um, Colleges. When, uh, when Barry brought up the whole thing about major schools recruiting um, Yogi, that was his attempt at humor. Um, and the way Indiana's playing this year, I mean, I, I didn't know if it was humor or not. They're not doing very well. They're still joking badly. Well, uh, so do the Nets, I think, at this point. So, Well, well you'd be worried if, if it was the San Antonio Spurs that had him in camp and then let him go. But the Brooklyn Nets, come on. Oh, you mean, you, you, yeah, you, you, you know, right. that, you know, that's, are they, are they still in the NBA? Wow. That's well, a shot. Nice, nice game. This is. Well, you're, you're your owned by a Ruski. This is what happened. <laughs> oh, this has been another great uh, edition Donald of Kevin Trump. <laughs> <laughs> he loves our Ruski team. Are you kidding? Uh, yeah. Let's build a wall. Yeah. This has been another great edition of What Went Wrong in Brooklyn. Uh, thank you for joining us, and uh, Rick, we will uh, we'll talk to you down the road, man. Take care. All right, thanks, Rick. Thanks, man. Thanks, Rick. All right, thank you. Bye bye. Now there goes a class guy, Rick Bozich. He is. You know, we've had some podcasts where maybe things didn't go so well, but that was a really good one. I love Rick Bozich. Love love Jeff Bannister. Two great two great podcasts. Yeah, Rick. I've known I've I've known Rick for thirty years, thirty five years, and and he a good friend of one of our good friends, Dan Barrero, who introduced us. Dan also sent me a bunch of texts on what he wanted me to ask Rick, embarrassing questions he wanted me to ask. Oh, Rick. Unbelievable, Dan Barrero, who used to work at the Dallas Morning News. That's it. Everybody, everybody used to work at the Dallas Morning News back in the eighties. I think I think I think uh, they offered Rick a job too once, but Rick was smart enough because he didn't want. He didn't fall for the line. You can come work in Dallas where there's no state income tax and, <laughs> and take the pay cut because uh, you'll be working for the Dallas. Did we really days. offer him a job? I don't know. I don't know either. We offered. He, he's Rick. Rick is is a, is a college basketball guy. This is not yeah. a college basketball. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So no, he's in the right place. Oh, he, he he he's in the right place. And, How long and, has he been at the radio station then? Uh, a while. I, I'm, I'm not sure, but he was long, long time columnist. Oh yeah, at, absolutely. Uh, Courier Journal. Absolutely. And yes, I mean when I worked at Gannett uh, for Gannett paper in the early '90s, Bozich was kind of considered the national expert on college basketball because of the Louisville connection. Yeah, Louisville, Kentucky. Well, he's, yeah, he's, he's in the heartland. Yeah, we used to run into him during the tournaments back then. Back back when people down here could play basketball. Yeah, and I don't know. SMU, I think was. Kevin, were you at the uh, were you at the uh, the Elite Eight in uh, I guess it was ninety when Texas played Arkansas in in, in, in the, the game at reunion? May probably, yeah, I'm sure I was. I covered that game. That was, uh, did you really? Yeah, I believe I covered that game. Too. I was I was at Shreveport at the time, and I, I covered that game, and that was an all time great. I thought, yeah, I really did like that game. So you were there. Yeah. Was, was Travis Mays on there. that Texas team? I think he was. Yeah, you were. Yeah, I remember that game. I caught it. Wasn't that, wasn't that the BMW team? Wasn't that Blanks, Mays, and Wright? Yeah, I think that's correct. In, in Arkansas, had Mayberry, and they had Oliver Miller. They had Todd Day. Todd Day. Those were their, that was yeah. their big three. Yeah. That was their big three. That was the, of course, that was back, that was the time that Glenn Stone asked me. Glenn Stone, the former SID at TCU. At TCU, after watching that, that Arkansas team, those players in particular who won the national championship for uh, Arkansas, he says, I think these guys could have beaten some high slam of Dallas. 
that was a that was a that forty minutes of hell team was a really exciting team to watch. Really I mean, fun. It was a fun team, and you know, I, I, now Oliver Miller was a goofball, uh, and he played for the Mavericks. And he was very talented. Oh, I, I one of the first talented. stories I wrote for the Morning News was about when they signed Oliver Miller. Yeah, yeah. I, I wrote a story when I went and visited his father in uh, in prison, and uh, after that story came out, Oliver Miller was not happy. About that. Did he come after you in the, in the locker room? Yeah, he went after he went after our old friend uh, uh, Sully, Kevin, Kevin Sullivan, Sullivan, and and wanted to know who it was that wrote that this story. And uh, and, uh, and Sully told him, "Well, you spent two hours talking to him out there. I would think you know who he was." Uh, you have that effect on people, though. I do. I, I do. You know, when I write the truth. But that was that was a fun game. I remember that game. <laughs> you know, that was you're, show, you're showing your age. That yeah. was I, I was I was twenty five then. I, that was also the first time I ever ate at Louis. Well, you don't mean it. Uh, you no. probably drank at Louis too, didn't yeah, you? Yeah. I, I don't know if it was. It was Louis it called Louis then. Louis is a great. Yeah, Joe, absolutely. Yeah. No, Louis is. You're thinking of Joe Miller. I, well, was, I, was, that Joe Miller? was it Joe Miller? No, I think. I think Louis was that. Yeah, Louis was that Joe Miller. Yeah, yeah. But no, no, I think Louis was around that. I think it was. It's in the current location. They had great pizza. Yeah, yeah, great pizza. And that was the thing. That was. Yeah. That was a great thing. Yeah, that was that was fun back in those days. Yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. back in your single days. But that goes back to what we were talking to Rick Bozich about. All those guys we just mentioned, they played at least three years. Yeah. No, I, I mean I think you listen. I I'm not sure how you get the NCAA to fix that. I'm not sure how 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 legal that would be at this point in time because you're potentially taking money out of out of it, out it of is the, pockets. There but, are questions, but here's the thing about it. it but it, it has ruined college it, basketball. It's and not only that, it's academic fraud. You, you check out right. these kids who are the one and done. They don't I guarantee you they're not going to class at all right. because no. of the loophole that that first semester, if you flunk everything, you can still you, you can still make up. You can still make it up in the spring semester. That's yeah. that's what the rule and, and, is. And then they don't go in the spring they semester. They don't go. They don't go because they're not going to stick around. But what the heck? So at the end of that spring, you know, they they would all be on probation if they came back it, for their second year. It's certainly it's, they know, but they know they're not coming back. So absolutely. So it just it's outrageous. That the NCAA allows this to happen, and and I and I think that there should be I think I, I really do think as Rick said at least make it two years. But I, I think the baseball rule is a great rule. If you you sign out of high school or you wait three years or until you turn twenty one, right? And and that, and that should give everybody the opportunity to do what they want to. Do. All right, I, before we get out of here, we I know we need to get out of here, but I, I I do think since we've talked a lot of college hoops on this on this thing, we need yes, to sir. broaden the college scope a little bit. The, the latest revelations about Baylor uh, and, and what's gone on down there, the the new strength assistant strength and conditioning coach. Yeah. They just brought him in. They just brought him in. He just got hired in January. Hired in January, arrested over the weekend in a prosecution Fire. thing, and been fired already. And that comes on the heels of these kind of damning texts from, from Mark Bryles uh, that, that certainly indicate that he knew more about the uh, the rape allegations than he let on. Does that surprise you? No, it doesn't surprise me. What it does, what it does make it look like to me, it makes Art look that much. It, it makes him look not just um, pompous, but also stupid. Well, yeah, don't be texting stuff like that. Yeah, uh, I, I mean, don't put it in print, and don't don't file libel suits and all of that no. when you know there's going to be some kind of smoking gun out there. Yeah, here's the question: Is there? Do you see any ground any grounds under which the Baylor football program is shut down? No. Uh, and because the, because these are all legal issues, and there are some Title IX issues, obviously as well. 
but uh, I think what we saw what happened at Penn State, and they instituted the instituted a bunch of penalties there, and then they walked them all back. Right. Uh, and I, I don't think it's going to happen at, at Baylor either. And I have to say, and, and, and I know you guys hate for me to say this, but I wrote a column oh. about this on Friday I, and on Saturday, uh, or, or Thursday and Friday. Um, I said, I don't believe in the death penalty. I think it, I think the death penalty, if we're going to look at the literal terms of the death penalty, when someone gets the death penalty, it's the person who committed the crime, right? That's that's my biggest issue. Well, they, they need to, well, but yeah. you use the death penalty, and all the people have already walked. How about a death penalty for our trials? Uh, he, never he, comes he, in again? Absolutely. Yeah, well, he, he, has a, he does have that. It, it, they can give him a show cause. Right. If you get hired someplace else, why, are you why should we not penalize right. you because you've hired this guy? I, I, look, here's the thing. Art Browse will never get another job. First of all, he's 61 or 62 years old. So, I mean, he's in good shape, but that's, you know, everybody was pushing Mac Brown out because he was 62 years old. And that, they were pushing him out because of the one loss record. Yes, yes, not, not, what, not what he was there. So, I mean, there were a lot of it. There were, I have to say this about Art Browse, and, and I have my, I have interviewed him when he was at Stephenville uh, the first time, and, uh, and then at Houston, and then, then at Baylor. Um, just never had a good feeling about it. Just never, never, always felt like there was Too something. Too sly for you? No, not sly at all. Just, I got it closed up right to here. I mean, when I would go talk to him at Baylor, uh, I'd do this little swing around the around the league. And you go to talk to Mac Brown at Texas, at Texas, and you get in there and you talk to him for 30 minutes in his office, and he's talking to you as you go out the door. You're trying to pull away from him as you go out the door. I go to talk to Art Bryles, and I get him after practice standing on the sauna for five minutes. And this is on a deal where I told them I was coming. They knew I was coming. That that happened more than once. Happened That's why you only got him for five minutes. Well, maybe so. You knew you were going? It just always felt like I'm, I, I don't want to talk about it. Yeah, I, I think if you're at Baylor, you, particularly if you're at Baylor or Houston, you have to be a little bit more outgoing over the media. You're, you're well, he was out. Now, he was outgoing. And there are lots of media that dealt with him day, on a day-to-day basis who loved him. Right. It bugged me that after, at press conferences, after games. He would look up, and the first thing he would say at the press conference, looking at the back of the room at the Baylor games, he'd see Bob Simpson, who is one huge Baylor donor and is the, one of the owners of the, of the Rangers, and he'd say, Hi, Bob. Thanks for being here. I have never seen another coach cultivate uh, boosters like Art Bryles did, and that bothered me, that he would do that so openly. There, there was just something about everything that didn't seem right. And then the last quote for me was when, when you had the second rape conviction in two years, You've had two players, two years in a row, convicted of rape. One of them is serving 20 years in prison, and now you've had another one who was a transfer that you should uh, should have known about. I believe that Chris Peterson did tell him that there's problems with this kid, because that's what he told everybody else. Uh, why would he tell Art Browse something different? He said, well, when reporters went to him and said, how about this, Art? Two rapes, two years. He said, well, it's unfortunate for everybody. Yeah. Unfortunate were the words he used. He's a man with two daughters. And if one of those daughters came to him and said, Dad, I've been raped, and if he said to her, well, honey, that's unfortunate, he's not going to say that. Right. Now, I mean, but we spent all this time talking about Art Riles and whether or not right. he gets another job, and, and certainly as a football coach, he's a high-profile guy. The issue that sticks with me is some of those texts were to Ian McCaw, and McCaw has, he's got has moved on. He's, he's already got a job at a right. Division One school in Liberty. Um just doesn't it, it just doesn't add up to me. And if you do put penalties now, you're penalizing the guys who are so the administration and the players who are supposed to stand for a new type of Baylor, and the guys who committed all of this. There's nothing attached. Well, to let me just say this: this Baylor story isn't even close to being done. 
there will be more and more revelations as more victims are emboldened by what's happened and the reports and the lawsuits that already come out. The lawsuit alleging that there were 52 sexual assaults over a four-year period. You can imagine now the other women who, will, who finally feel empowered to say, this happened to me too. And so this will just go on and on, and we will see what the fallout is. And now, what I what I keep hearing from from everybody, I'm still making Baylor fans mad, uh, not as many as I used to make, but, uh, but I am. Uh, and, and they're all saying, what about the board, the board of regents? And there's more than 30 people on the board of regents. I, I have I have had conversations with or correspondence with some of them as well. I've never seen fans be so mad at a, at a board of regents. You know, they, they get mad at coaches, they get mad at athletic directors, and sometimes they even get mad at, at presidents, but not... But why are they mad at the Board of Regents? Yeah, because the, the, the reason why one group of them is mad at the Board of Regents is because they were the ones who fired Art Bryles. Right. And that's, and that's why. Now, and they didn't want... And now, so, so now they're disguising it by saying, well, we're, we are, uh, okay, all right, we, we agree that Art Bryles should go, but, but you should go too. And listen, I'm not saying they shouldn't go. I don't know what's going on with that board. The, the, the Pepper Hamilton report has just been kind of, I'm not questioning what they found. I'm questioning the way it was presented. The kind fact of, that it was presented as a, as a lecture because because they were they told the board, well, it's going to take us six months to write this up. Six months to write it up? I wish I had deadlines like that. That's billable hours, too. Yeah, absolutely. And so they said, oh, no, no, just tell us. And so that's why we don't have everything spelled out. We don't know exactly everything that they know. And that's why now they are leaking these things out. I'm hearing from lawyers who are saying this is really, this is really crummy of Baylor to let this stuff out now. They're just trying to cover their butts because of all the lawsuits. Why didn't they tell us this before? And I, and I, and what the the board is saying is that well, we're trying to protect protect the rights of these victims. We're trying not to make them. Well, you are still releasing this information now. So what's the difference? But anyway, the point is is that not only is Ian McCall got another job, Kendall Browse has another job, Bill Bennett has another job. Where's Kendall Browse? Who hired Kendall Browse? Wayne Kiffin did. Yeah. Uh, so, you know, the question is, should these guys, listen, I have to say, most of the time in, in college sports, it's the assistants who pay. You know, something happens, the head coach says, you've got to follow this grenade. Someone calls you for a job, I'll, I'll, I'll recommend, recommend you, but you're out here, okay? And so, I like the fact that they got the coach, head coach, the athletic director, and the president, okay? Yes. They should get these assistants, and they're, and they're all gone now. You know, they're all the assistant coaches are gone. Uh, so, uh, and they are, but they are getting new jobs. But it's like when Casey Horney goes to Texas to work for Tom Tom uh, Herman, the new coach at Texas. The point is, and it's a great one. What? Why, if you're Mike Perrin, why wouldn't you say to Tom Herman, you know what? There are literally thousands of people you can hire for this job as quality control coach. Why hire this guy? Why bring him in? Because, first of all, it's a bad PR move. You could, because there are a bunch of Texas fans well, mad what, what is Tom Herbert showing by that? What, what, it's Tom, a power play. Well, well, it's not only it's a power play. I think it's, a, I think it's just like a. It, what it shows is that this is the problem with these guys. This stuff with sexual assaults and what happens on campuses. Yeah, yeah, this is terrible what happened to Bayer. Okay, let's go back to football. And, and, that's, and they're not thinking, you know what? I'm sending a bad message to my players that I'm bringing in a guy from this. But place. he's also sending a message to everyone that I can bring this guy in and get and have him work. Uh, I, I think that's a message. It is a message, but I think it's less of that. I think I, it, I think it's more of him. I don't think he. Why, why would he come in? He just got the job. I think the the fact that. But he. Was, but I, I. The thing that c comes from the thing for me, Kevin, is 
what you just said. That it's that it sends a message. It sends a bad message to your players. Absolutely, sends a bad message. That hey, I'll bring. I can bring in somebody who basically did these kinds of things. And you're sending a message to the world that you're you that you have the power to do that. But but I don't think he's thinking. Oh, look at me! I'm going to hire oh, a guy with a yeah, bag with a bag. Oh yes, he baggage. is. No. But the thing oh is, yes, you're, he is. You're no. trying, it doesn't oh, matter yes, what. The, it does not no, matter not. what the message is to the outside world. What matters is the behavior you're trying to. No. Uh, no. Uh, well, then why didn't he hire Phil Bennett? Why didn't he hire all the guys? Why didn't he hire because he hired one. He just hired one to make his point. No. I'm, I'm bringing in who I want to bring in. Well, yeah. He, he came in there, and all in. he did was rip the, the entire Texas Let me tell you, program. He, he Let has. me tell you one. Let me, we're Lane Kiffin is concerned. I'm talking more on Kemba Bras here than anything else. But okay. we're, where Lane Kiffin is concerned, he didn't bring in anybody that he wanted to. He doesn't want the Florida Atlantic job. He just has to have a job. Right. Um, and he's just desperate to have anybody on staff who's willing to take a job. I, I just think when you hire guys who are attached to Baylor in, in this, this scandal, the players get the message that, well, this guy was part of this. This is... Well, because this is what happened at Baylor. Listen, I, I don't think that Art Browse was encouraging anything. I don't think... No, I, I don't think he's... Here's saying, what happened at Baylor, is that he brought in some questionable guys. And I think he brought in guys he knew were questionable. He was trying to toughen up that program. I've had sports writers that I respect say to me, well, you know what? You gotta have some thugs on the team. Because if you want to have a tough team, you gotta have some thugs on the team. And and there was I, I saw a recent study that was done, it was very interesting, and it showed that you know, Bader's been one of those penalized teams in the country ever since Art got there. And there's there's a there's a, a link that that's a study did that showed that teams that, that get penalized a whole lot tend to have more uh, criminal records right. on those teams. The guys have sexual assault, things like right. that. Yeah. And you would think about it. If they're, that's not always true. I mean, Mike Singletary is as straight and narrow as you can possibly get and one of the most violent defensive players there ever was. So I, I'm not making any kind of stereotypes here. But, but what happened with Art Bryles at, at Baylor was that he brought in some guys that were questionable like this, and then when things happen, he just let it go. And then and it's just like raising your kids. You let things go long enough, they push and they push and they push sure. their boundaries as far as they can go. And that's what happened at Baylor. And he allowed that to happen. And he, he was never tough with those guys. I had I wrote something about Charlie Strong one time when I said that that Charlie is the kind of guy who, you know, makes it clear to his to his players about how you treat women. And someone wrote me and said, what coach does it, doesn't do that? And I said, you know, well, apparently Art Browns. Well, and there's a big difference between Making it clear to to, to players making it a focus and taking action and and the actions that, that appear to have been taken at Baylor were all to cover things up in the name yes. of protecting the football program. Right. Um, not it, just and not just by not just by the football coaches either. Right. By by the by the Waco police. Right. Uh, by 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 Baylor. Uh, by Baylor, Baylor administration. Yeah. By everybody. There was a there was a total. Meltdown in McLennan County right. over all this. And, uh, you know, when you do come down to the, the things for, quote-unquote, the death penalty, you would cite lack of institutional control. And this is, there's there's definitely a lack of institutional control. But as you say, They're it's not more incidentally of a violations. It's a legal. Which is crazy. It's a legal case. And, well, it's kind of like steroids in baseball were 15 what? years ago. Absolutely. They're legal cases. Not necessarily violations look, of, of baseball. Look at the SMU situation. All right, we did. We, any of us? Well, it was Barry and I were here then. When you did you were you surprised that Baylor, but SMU got the death penalty? 
Was that a surprise? Yeah. No, because it was SMU. And it was, you, are you going to say you were surprised? No. S no. S S S SMU was the perfect uh, victim or yes. the perfect, you know, it's a small school, not a big state school, uh, not a big revenue school. Uh, that surprised, no. It, it was the perfect storm for and SMU. And you're right about that, but also... SMU, in some ways, kind of had it coming. Well, they right? flaunted it. They flaunted, they flaunted it. it. That was the problem. They flaunted it. Because here, they, they, we told you, we told you, we told you. You can't do this, you can't do this, you can't do this. And then you got the governor sanctioning this thing, right? So, so yeah. So, so all right. So, it, it happened in the end. I'm not saying that looking back, especially at the time, I thought, well, you know, I didn't really have an opinion about it. I just felt like they, they kept doing this. And so, they kind of, you know, this is what you get. If you keep committing the same crime over and over again, this is what happened. But looking back on it now, how ridiculous to say that, okay, that they paid players and they got the death penalty, uh, and that Baylor, 52 sexual assaults, if that's correct, 52 sexual assaults over four years, and there's no penalty. Right. Well, you don't, what's, you, what's you don't even need the 50. We know, we know the two. At least yeah, we know two rape people. Two rape and, and, and one player, and one player is still up uh, for possible charges. Yeah. For that. So, yeah. So, I, I mean... If it if it's half the number, if it's half, yeah. number, if it's twenty six, if it's thirteen, if it's eight, if it's seven, yeah, uh, it's, it's it's unbelievable. And, and and when you pile on top of that, that this is the largest Baptist institution in America, which takes pride in that. That is not a loose association. I, I grew up as a Baptist. I'm a Methodist now. You know, SMU. That's a very oh, loose. So there's a link right there. Well, Methodist SMU is a very loose association with the Methodist Church, right? right. You know, you wouldn't even hardly know it. That's why they say that's why TCU instead of calling itself Texas Christian, just calls it TCU now. It's a very loose association, you know, with disciples of Christ. So that that's not that's not what's going on here. But at Baptist, there is a huge association with that. With that, I mean, at, at Baylor, there's a huge association with being Baptist, and they are proud of that, and, and rightfully so. I'm not saying they shouldn't be. But for this to happen and to hear Baylor fans try to put this aside and not be ashamed. I mean, there are a lot of them who are ashamed. There's no question about that. But I hear from a whole lot of them who make out like this is, this happens everywhere. And I don't, of course, that, that's that's the great defense. Well, that's what I always say. It's happens like, everywhere. Happens in Texas. Uh, that's what your teenagers say too, right? Everybody's doing Everybody's it. Everybody's doing it. So I, so I might as well too. So it's it's a it's an unbelievable story, and when you pile on top of it, the, or if you add the Patrick Dennehy story, the murder, the basketball, the basketball scandal, the murder of a basketball player by one of his teammates, and then the subsequent cover up by Dave Bliss, which was another huge scandal. You know, they have had two of the worst scandals in NCAA history. Uh, Correct, and and it's just phenomenal to me that that has happened at Baylor. Because, you know, I covered Baylor in the Southwest Conference back in the old days, in the 80s. And, and you know, going out there to, and talk to Grant Taft and, and talk to the coaches there. And, you know, it's, it's a great place. Great, great, great people. Uh, great people to work with. They ran a, they ran a, a good program. Clean they, program. Clean program. And winning programs, you know. They, you know, they got in a little bit of trouble in the 80s with basketball recruiting. But so did everybody else in the Southwest Conference in those days. It wasn't a big deal. And to see what's what uh, what's happened now these these two scandals. I'm not saying it's something that's systemic there. I'm not saying that at all. This is just two things that happened. But to have those two things on your record is just phenomenal to me. I, I, I'm afraid if it if it were my school and it happened, I would just say to everybody, I I, I got no defense of anything. I'm just gonna be quiet. Mm -hmm. you know. Evan, you want to take us out? You, you want to take us out of this? Because we're we're tired. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you, 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 you,
there, there was a lot of talk there. And in fact, I'm going to suggest something when the podcast is over. You are? Yeah. Then we, we retire? Make, make this a separate podcast. Maybe so. The, the Baylor issue. Could be. Evan, we'll have to get Evan's blessing on this because this is his podcast. Are you done, Derek? <laughs> are you still here? I thought you I thought you had left for Arizona already. All right, everybody. It's been uh, great talking with you. Um, uh, that's three or four podcasts, depending on what Mary decides to do. No, Evan, Evan, you'll decide. Um, uh, what what were the, sum them up for a I love when you start working around this. Is we had uh, Adam Schefter uh, talking about Adam Schefter. No, Schefter. Whatever his name is. How many How many uh, Twitter followers has he got? 5.7 million. 5.7 million Twitter followers. And he's got over 8,000 contacts on his phone. So well, many of those could have been women he's dated. We had uh, so we talked to him about. Uh, and they still Tony be Roma. Uh, We talked to Jeff Bannister about the Rangers um, and spring training projects, and then we talked with Rick Bozich and ourselves about Yogi Ferrell and then the Baylor situation. So that was the podcast for today. Thank you guys for joining us, um, and we will uh, we will talk to you next. And, week. and next week you'll be coming live from. Surprise. I'm not playing Mad Libs anymore. <laughs> Barry, it just, he just can't say goodbye. Goodbye. Goodbye, everybody. You say goodbye. I say hello. Thanks for listening to the Ballsy with a Z podcast. Don't forget to subscribe via iTunes. You'll get new episodes every week. And follow us on Facebook and Twitter. Until next time, sports fans, see you.